The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Good morning. It's so great to be with you here in the sanctuary and those with you at home. I hope you're staying warm and dry. I want to give um, some twinkles to the people who are here this morning who've braved the weather. It's so good to have you here. Thank you for coming. 
We're glad that you're all here to join us in worship this morning. I want to say thanks to everyone who's made this morning's worship service possible and our live stream, our musicians and singers, today's worship associate, Richard Davis Lowell, to our amazing tech team, our Sunday morning welcomers and ushers, and our facilities staff. So grateful to all of you. For those of you who are here in the building, the few of you who are here, a reminder that we ask everyone to wear their masks up over their noses and to maintain safe distancing while you're here in the sanctuary and in the building. And for those of you who are here, you may have noticed the stickers, the green, yellow, and red stickers outside the sanctuary doors. Uh, those stickers can be used to indicate your comfort in how you want to be welcomed here. Green is for come in and have a hug. Yellow is for maybe a little brush with the elbow for greetings. And red is to be measured in your approaches and to stay comfortable and stay safe. And for everyone's safety, uh, for those of you here in the sanctuary, we won't be singing this morning, but you were invited to, as Vanessa says, hum with gusto. We've decided not to have coffee hour after the service, uh, in part because serving coffee in the rain didn't seem like a great idea. Um, so we are, invite you to come spend a little time in the gallery, but mostly we want everyone to get home safely. Uh, during the service, I will be taking my mask off while I am preaching the sermon. Uh, if any of you, which it doesn't appear are, are four to five distance in front of me, you might want to move, but as far as I can tell, everyone's got good distance. Um, and again, feel safe to move around the sanctuary so that you feel comfortable. This morning's service, we're going to be talking about memory. And we have chosen music in part for the memories they invoke, evoke. Two pieces are part of the Threshold Choir repertoire, a choir that I sang with for many years, both of which I have fond memories singing with both choirs uh, in our Threshold rehearsals and certainly here in our sanctuary. And similarly, Reiko and Mark have selected pieces that are special to them. So let us gather for worship. We begin by lighting our blue candle as we have since the start of the pandemic a symbol of our gathered community. Those of you here in the sanctuary, those of you at home, and those who are here in spirit. And let us join in singing our first hymn, number 12, O Lifeth That Make All Things New.
join me in our chancel lighting, the words printed in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Again, I want to welcome you this morning. Uh, if this is your first time, a special welcome. Uh, you, if you're here in the sanctuary today for the first time, there are orders of service in the back. And if you're watching online, you can find a link to the order of service in the live stream and in the chat. Today, following the service, the humanist and non-theist group will host a presentation on San Francisco's LGBTQ plus centers host home program, discussing the need for housing and support for homeless LGBTQ plus adults ages 18 to 24. All are welcome and you can again find the link to the Zoom gathering in the order of service. Members and friends of the community are invited to email photos of loved ones who have passed this last year or in years past. The photos will be part of our remembrance service on November 7th. Images may be sent directly to Vanessa Southern's email and again you can find that email address in the order of service. And finally, this week, there is still time to gain, uh, to sign up to attend the minister's book group, where they will be discussing Gilgamesh by Stephen Mitchell. There are two sessions, one Wednesday, October 27th, 6.30 to 8 p.m., and on Thursday, October 28th, from 12 to 1.30. And even if you don't have time to read the book, you're still welcome to attend. Links and information for these events and all other program and events can be found in the order of service. And this concludes our announcements this morning and we invite you to center yourselves as we enter into worship, singing or humming our meditation on breathing. If this is the first time you're hearing it, we invite you to just listen to the choir sing and then hum or sing and join us.
Please join me in our covenant, the words printed in your order of service, followed by our sung doxology. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. Recognizing there is human suffering all over this world in the course of natural and human catastrophes, we ring our gong today in honor of two such places of suffering and struggle. We ring our gong first, as we have since July of 2019, for those lives held and those lives lost in federal custody on our, in our detention camps and for the ongoing dismissal of lives at our borders that contribute to mounting trauma and the long history of xenophobia, racism, and humankind's inhumanity to one another. We ring our gong seven times for this week's of days in which human dignity has been dismissed and for our responsibility for that as citizens of this country. We ring our gong additionally once for the losses this week due to COVID-19. This last week, 47,046 people died of COVID-19 globally, 10,301 in the United States alone. We hold in our hearts all of these losses, lest the numbers numb us to the human toll of the virus. And we hold with gratitude all who are working around the world to produce and distribute vaccine and all the other efforts to support greater health, survival, and immunity from the virus, and the reminder that none of us will be completely safe until all of us are protected from this health crisis. So much to remember and hold. May we keep those we have named and their loved ones in our thoughts and in our prayers, and may we ease the tide of human suffering this coming week however we can.
Let us join in a time of collective prayer and meditation. I invite you to rest your eyes, slow your breath, feel your feet firmly planted, drawing on the energy from deep within the earth. holding you present here in this moment. Spirit of life that moves in us, through us, and around us, be with us now. We gather this morning feeling the winds of change around us. The earth is turning. We enter a new season, watching the fading light, the growing shadows, and welcoming in the beauty of the dark. We are rooted in a community of love, strengthened by our commitments to justice and peace. Our arms reach out and draw hold and bring those loved ones known and unknown in need of our prayers of healing, of hope, of compassion, and care. In these uncertain times, may we remember the moments of grace, both given and received. And may grace be with us as we make our way. Spirit of life, we give thanks for the many blessings of our lives. And may our lives be a blessing upon this beloved earth that we call home. Please join me in a time of silent meditation, reflection, and prayer.
Amen. In the cool of the morning rainfall, when the mountain calls my name, I can tell by the song of the whispering trees, I will never be the same. In the cool A few weeks ago, as I pulled my rental car alongside a brick-covered driveway, I thought, this neighborhood hasn't changed a bit. Big California ranch homes set back from the street, almost all of them modified in some way to add an extra room or a floor, all landscaped to within an inch of their lives, but in a way that blends everything together into one big botanical garden. Palm fronds here, birds of paradise there, and nestled between the brilliant lilies and bougainvillea, the bay alarm signs, tastefully framed, and not a person in sight. There's never one, there's never anyone in sight in these neighborhoods, I think. I think that's the agreement. The homes are meant to be encountered, but not the people living inside of them. And in the quiet, behind the chirping birds and rustling branches, the ever-present of a Southern California freeway, always there. As I walk toward Joel and Joanne's home, just steps away, with every step I took, years unfolded. He was not my father, I thought, as I remembered that moment so many years ago. But we, we both knew then, and I know in this moment, that he gave me a father's gift, a great gift, unconditional, unreserved love. If you have to leave, Richard, he said, then leave. 
If your life's not working, then go make it work. It doesn't mean that you can't come back. And so I did leave, and I'm here. I'm back again. He taught me so much about moving through life that being authentically myself, an out, proud, smart gay man, wouldn't mean that my problems were over. Oh, they, they would just be beginning. Life has a lot in store, I would learn. Twists and turns, we call them. The leopard never changes its spots, he used to tell me. I saw him betrayed by his closest friends and cheated by others. And I put him on a pedestal and wanted to blame him for all my troubles. But then when my own father died, he honored him with a gift made in my father's honor to his favorite charity. Joel, you weren't perfect, but who is? And you always told me that I could be anything I wanted to be. Something that I'd heard constantly in my own home. But you know, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time believing things family tells me up until the point when I hear someone else who isn't family tell me that same thing. So three memories. One, you loved costume parties. And two, when you rediscovered your faith and traditions, we celebrated Passover together. And finally, as I, as I hear you eulogized, your wife Joanne reminds me that you loved clothes and of course we both shared a love of a well-cut piece of cloth. And in a special touch, she mentions that she has hundreds of pairs of your socks, some new, some worn, and that she would be donating them to a local charity. And if we wanted something to remember you by, we could take a pair with us. So as I kissed Joanne goodbye and hugged former coworkers, there they were, laid out perfectly, just as I know you'd look. And in their colors, you came to me. Your colors, autumn greens, purples, and tans, I saw you in those colors, and I took a pair that I'm wearing today. Joel, thank you for loving me in the way you did. Thank you for seeing me for who I am and for being my boss and my friend. Thank you for the memories, both sweet and bitter. And most of all, thank you for the socks.
Our first reading from Poet Warrior by Joy Harrow. I was born before cell phones and computers, before the proliferation of devices installed with memory, which prompt the user to forget. I do not want to forget, though sometimes memory appears to be an enemy, bringing only pain. There are so many memories. I often wish that I had written down everything my aunt and all my elders told me so I could have their wisdom, their struggles, their hard-won stories right here for a referral to provide and even cultivate new stories. Growing memories and the ability to access memory is a skill that allows access to eternity. It is within all of us. I do not have the best memory. I often tell the circle of old ones when I speak with them, and I do speak with those whom I have loved, who have moved on from this earthly realm, especially when writing poetry or any kind of story or music. They remind me, here's your opportunity to practice memory. I'm not the best listener or speaker, I tell them. Take your opportunity with grace, they tell me. You are here to learn how to listen, how to walk into each challenging story without fear, fearless. And from Night by Etel Adnan, there are roughly 100 billion stars in the Milky Way the same number as for the neurons in our brain. We may have to travel 24 trillion miles to the first star outside our star system to find an object as complex as the one that is sitting on our shoulders.
Thank you, choir. That brought back very sweet memories. Last month, I received my Medicare card in the mail. I sent a picture of it to my sibling saying, it's official, I'm old. And no doubt my retirement next June brings up a lot of feelings and memories. October is a time of year when some say the veil between this world and the one beyond grows closer, where the past and the present come together. What I do know is that lately I find myself taking long walks in the land of memory. My best friend and I are working the Julia Cameron book, It's Never Too Late to Begin Again, or as I call it, The Artist's Way for Retired People. For those not familiar with Julia Cameron and her work, The Artist's Way is a process to explore one's creativity. One exercise is writing your memoir. Cameron offers prompts to help you remember your story. Questions like, describe a location where you remember spending time. What smells do you remember? What do you miss about that time? What was a significant relationship? What was your community? Did you have one? What patterns do you see as you look back on your life? I find the writing a challenge and I'm only up to age 10. Certain memories are vivid and clear. Walks in the fields, skating on Frog Pond, the back seat of the Volkswagen where my brothers and I were crammed in tight, the smell of the leather seats, no seat belts. And then there are the memories I resist to recall, a fight with my best friend, the day I learned we were moving to a new town, leaving our church, the feelings still unresolved, raw and real inside me. And then there's the stuff that I just don't remember at all. Memories are powerful. They can set us on our way and sometimes stop us in our tracks. The key, I think, is to find ways to explore our memories, look for the signs, symbols and storylines that can help us to heal, set us in a new direction, open our eyes and invite us to live in more fully into our lives. One approach of this kind of exploration is what Julia Cameron calls the artist's date, the artist date. The artist's date is a weekly adventure, a chance to try something new or something old. The artist date presents an opportunity for synchronicity, connections that invite us to see, experience, see and experience life in new ways. 
Maybe it's preparing a special meal, buying a new hat, or donning a very special pair of socks from a dear friend. Julie Cameron tells the story of David, a retired doctor who uncovered a memory about a chocolate muffin and the bakery where he and his old friend would meet during their medical school days. His recollection brought him back to the bakery, still open after all these years. And there was the chocolate muffin. David reached out to his friend, having not spoken in close to 30 years, sharing the story, and soon they reconnected. What a gift it was to find someone who might once know had so much in common with and to learn that we still had worlds to talk about, past and present. We were still so connected. My recent experience with synchronicity didn't take 30 years, it just took a little over three. Back in 2018, I stumbled upon an exhibit at the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. The artist was Atel Adnan. I didn't know her work, but I was immediately drawn in. The paintings were bright, colorful, atmospheric, simple geometric shapes that evoked a sense of place, a sun, a mountain, a moon, a river, an ocean. The same shapes used repeatedly, but each painting revealed something familiar and at the same time a place unknown and mysterious. The paintings had no titles. I couldn't place myself, but the paintings invited me in. I traveled across the hills and the mountains. I traipsed the seashore and I sat quietly staring up into the sky above. The gallery was a buzz there, but I, I was absorbed in the paintings, a, a feeling of solitude that was tender and timeless. I felt an immediate connection to the artist. I snapped a picture of one of the paintings, eager to remember the moment, and then I forgot all about it. Three years went by. The Medicare card came. I was working on my memoir. Autumn was in the air, and I was scheduled to preach. I turned to one of my favorite blogs, Brain Pickings, for inspiration, and I typed the word memory into the search engine, and up popped Etel Adnan. The post was a review of Adnan's book, Night, a collection of prose, poetry, and meditations. Wait, wait, is this the same Etel Adnan, the painter? And in a flash, I searched out the painting on my phone and once again found myself inside the landscape, reliving the memory, synchronicity, that beguiling guide was busy at work. Adnan writes that the mind, like the distant stars, is a mysterious place 
complex and deserving of deep exploration. Memory for Adnan is a way to quiet what she calls the maddening effects of the constant present. If we didn't remember, she writes, then who would we be? Atel Adnan is now 96 years old. She grew up in Beirut, Lebanon, and went on to study in Paris. She returned to the Mideast and worked as a journalist before moving to California in 1958 to teach philosophy at Dominican College. It was here that she began her painting career. The biographer Kayleen Wilson-Goldie writes, one could argue that for six decades, Adnan has been painting the same places over and over again. The Greek city of Smyrna, where her parents lived before she was born, which burned to the ground. Beirut, a city of gardens in her youth, later destroyed by war. Baghdad, her vision of Arab modernity in the mid to late 18th, 20th century. Paris and Mount Tamalpais that she described as her best friend. Painting gave her a way to see the world afresh, explore the many places she had known, lost and struggled to accept. Was it synchronicity that led me back to Atel Adnan? I don't know, but finding her again at this moment in time has felt like a talisman to me. Her paintings and writings have prompted me to look back in time and search out the signs and symbols, the stories and patterns that have guided me and the ones that have held me back. We all have a personal geography, those places and times we return to again and again, some poignant, some painful, some powerful, some we would rather leave behind. Anand's paintings and poetry show a way to work with our personal geography, literally make something of it. I come to think of her process as a kind of map making, a unique cartography that details the stories of our lives, the places where we've come from, where we found ourselves, where we got lost or took a risk, where we made connections and found community. Photographers, photog photographs are another way to map our stories and explore personal geography. The British photographer Sarah Wheel's series Furloughed Friendships was a personal project undertaken during lockdown where windows featured prominently, severed from the outside world, 
and from Weil herself, her subjects exist in a space of insurmountable isolation. The transparent window becomes a divider. Its reflectiveness serves to remind us of this separation. However, Weil also captures the way people are living with novel relationships on their side of the glass. Her subjects' gesture and contact, and their subjects' gestures and contact speak to their connectedness, even as their gaze is directed toward the viewer. And this reflects one dynamic of the lockdown. While the word lockdown evokes isolation, writer Elijah Teitelbaum observes, it is possible that in the future, it will play, be placed within the larger narrative that emphasizes closeness. This is not to say that we will have warm feelings about lockdown, but rather that we may come to ascribe an important value to these experiences. We must embrace the fact that our memory is informed by what we care about in the present. As we reflect on our present experiences, we do well to consider how our hardship will become meaningful in the future and for whom. Maybe that is what Adnan was getting at when she talked about the maddening effects of the constant present. The lockdown and isolation sent many of us in search of memories that conjured feelings of connection and community. The maps we turn to, poems or paintings, photographs, stories of socks, hearty soups, or a search for a straw hat evoked memories of times past where we grew close together, closer to the spirit that moves in us, closer to the breathtaking beauty that surrounds us. It begins with the breath, writes the poet Joy Harjo. When we take in our first breath, it is a promise to take on this human story, a story that has dimension in time and place. Breath is our entrance into story making. It is a promise. It is a constant ritual that we all share from the first breath to our last, we are creating our maps, which give shape and direction to our journey here on earth. Place, she continues, is central to identity, to the imagery and shape of our poetry, of our lives, I would say. Place can be a field of stories, a family, a constellation, each intricately connected, a place where there is movement in nearly every direction. 
This is what I am learning about memory, that it is not fixed, not a coordinate, not an X that marks the spot, never to be moved. Mapping our memories opens the landscape. We search out the signs and the symbols that illuminate our way, bring healing, clarity, inspiration, courage, and synchronicity. Our stories unfurl, stretching across time. Italidnan often painted using a leporello, uh, whose pages unfold like an accordion. She used the leporello to paint the story of Mount Tamalpais. Her images show the shifts and shapes of light and shadow, the many, many moods of the mountain, each page reflecting the relationship between place and one's connection to it, a story that is constantly unfolding. On a starless night in Maine, Wendy and I are wrapped in winter woolens. We carry a sculpture made from a shoebox covered in tinfoil. On top, we've inserted 21 white dinner candles. We are marking time and making ritual. It is the winter solstice. We make our way out the door, trudging through the soft snow to Stanhenge, a low rock table my father, Stanley, built, which sits on the east-west axis. The gentle snow falls around us. The night sky is a dusty black. The tidal river is frozen over. We can see the ice stretch out before us. The trees stand watch. The only sound is our laughter as we light the candles. My father lifts his camera and in an instant, the moment becomes a cherished memory. I close my eyes and I see it. The dome of candlelight, the blanket of snow, the sharp edge of the ice, the towering trees. My father's face as he lifts the camera to capture the moment. Oh, that memory, it lives on and carries me through. Growing memories is a skill that allows us to access eternity, the poet wrote. Let us walk this land together, map our stories, follow the signs that will lead us to the distant stars and back again. Remember, we are part of that great unfolding. Let's not forget.
are leaving, let us hold onto this, the enduring of love, the persisting of hope, the remembering of joy, the offering of gratitude, the receiving of grace, and the blessings of peace. Go in peace.